Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time. And today, Mr. Demko, we have a very special guest, Mr. PJ Riley from Lancaster Archery. How you doing, PJ? I am good. How about yourself, guys? We are doing great, and we trust that you are all recovered from that awesome tournament that you guys hosted just recently here. Went very well, it appeared. Absolutely. Record crowds. You know, we posted up our uh, finals videos on YouTube. They're racking up tens of thousands of views, so people consuming it. uh, It just was a huge success on all fronts. Well, kudos to you and everybody else at Lancaster Archery on uh, this year's classic. Um, another record for you guys in terms of participation, and yeah. uh, uh, it's kind of a kind of a great time to have you on the show on a couple of reasons. First of all, because we recently posted a couple episodes off of interviews we recorded at the show, and and then this this interview is going to kick off our last installment from the classic. We did a, a great interview with Brandon Reyes from uh, Trueball and Excel, and we're going to be uh, playing that here shortly. But before we get to that, we wanted to have you back on to talk about a pretty exciting announcement for us here at Peterson's Bow Hunting and the Bow Hunting Podcast, and that is that Lancaster Archery has come on as our official show sponsor. And that's a real milestone for us. And uh, we couldn't be happier to have you guys uh, part of what we're doing, PJ. Hey, same here. You know, we definitely are big fans of Peterson's bow hunting in all the things that you do, print, online, podcast, things like that. And so, you know, as we were talking, that's a great way for us to, a great vehicle for us to communicate with the bow hunting public, you know, more focused bow hunting. Obviously, we are well known in the target archery world. We'd like to be better known in the bow hunting world. Yeah, it actually shocked me when you told me that you guys, I guess, had done some market research and tried to gauge, you know, your visibility among bow hunters. And you said it wasn't as high as you would like, which blew me away because, of course, <laughs> Rob Caulfield, who's your president and founder, is one of like the craziest bow hunters I know, kills all kinds of huge deer and elk and other mule deer, you know, you name it. I know yes. that you are a, a super avid bow hunter. And actually, Kyle, who's your producer, was telling me just about everybody who works at Lancaster Archery is a bow hunter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We are You know, not, I would say not all of us target shoot, a larger percentage of us are bow hunters than our target shooters. So it's something that we all love. It's something we're all a part of. But yeah, as you said, our, I would say our footprint in the bow hunting world is not as big as we would like it to be. Um, You know, we'd like to think of ourselves, you know, how many anglers, uh, fishermen know about tackle warehouse, you know, everybody does. So we'd kind of like to be that for, you know, anybody who's in the archery world, whether it's target archery or bow hunting, we'd like folks to think of us. And as we were talking, you know, okay, we're competing with other retailers out there, but I, what I can say for sure, you know, I know we do have fast shipping. Um, I know we do have the technical products and what we really have is the expertise. So if you are a bow hunter and you have a question about something, you know, hey, I, I want to boost the FOC of my arrow. I want to add 200 grains to the front end. Number one, how do I do that? And B, what are the side effects of that? I know our people here can answer all those questions. Can, can one of the other retailers? I don't know. I'm not going to say they can't. I don't know if they can. I know that we can. So our expertise, I think, is something that you get. And if you call in, you're going to talk to a real person. That I can guarantee you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and and like you said, it's, um, you know, you guys have been involved in all aspects of archery for a long, long time. Um, for sure. You know, Rob's daughter is an Olympian. 
Uh, of course, yep. you sponsor her, but you sponsor, you know, so many Olympians and, and so many great hunters. And you've got, you know, great uh, uh, history and background in that. But what's amazing to me is it's not just the knowledge and the things that you have in terms of the bows, the arrows, the rest, the sights. If you go on LancasterArchery.com, you guys have camo. You have tree stands. You right. know, you have pretty much literally or trail cameras, anything that you could possibly want as a bow hunter, you could probably get right from you guys. You probably can. Yeah, we carry a full line of anything you could need hunting scents, calls, whatever, all the knives, optics, uh, you know, range finders, any of that. But what what we're seeing in the bow hunting world, I'm sure you're seeing it as well, is a shift to a more technical bow hunter. So when you start doing that, when you start getting into arrow components, you know, where can you go to get brass inserts that fit your gold tip arrows, you know, that screw into the back of the inserts there? You know, you want to oh, add fact, some fact weight system. Uh, yeah, yeah, different things like that. You know, you want to get a more precise knock. So, you, you know, you want to experiment with the biter hunter knocks, you know, something like that. Different veins. Uh, you know, I can guarantee you if there is a vein, a fletching made, we have it. Whereas somebody else may have the most popular ones, we're going to have them all so that you can Wait experiment. Wait a second. Wait even, a second. Even things like building arrows, fletching jigs. Wait a second. Do you have zinger fletches? I, I can't I say for me. sure. <laughs> But I, I would imagine we do. I've seen things show. like that. <laughs> I found these at the Harrisburg show. It's crazy. Compression fit. Compression fit for Fletch. Oh, man. They were amazing. You got to look those up if you have. Them. But uh, anyway, I hear what well, you're saying. I but hear what do that, saying. you know, arrow building, some of the big box retailers. Do they have, you know, good quality fletching jigs, the glues, all that stuff? I don't, I don't know. I know we do. Um, so anyway, the technical, as we're seeing technical bow hunters emerge, we'd like to, you know, meet those folks and have them become aware of Lancaster archery just because, you know, there's probably a lot that we can do to help them out, uh, especially if they have questions. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as I, as I listen to PJ talk, Mark, here's what I'm taking from it. You know, we at Peterson's Bow Hunting, we like to feel like, you know, we're at the tip of the spear in terms of who we're serving, right? Our audience is all hardcore bow hunters. If you subscribe to the magazine or if you're listening to this podcast on a weekly basis, you're pretty serious about this. And, and as PJ's talking, Mark, what he's saying is, you know, they don't just have a warehouse full of stuff that they want to sell. They actually, you know, have picked all that stuff for a reason. They know about it. They know how to use it in the field because they're bow hunters too. And, and they want to sort of come alongside us and, and, and provide and meet those folks where they're at, you know, at that same level. Yeah. And, and I think it's amazing. You know, you have all that technical expertise and you want to help, you know, just like you're in the archery world, you want to help make bow hunters the best they can be. And, you know, it made me think, any idea how many products you have in your catalog? Is it thousands? Is it tens of thousands, BJ? We are right around 85,000 SKUs. That Those aren't all in our catalog, but on our website, yeah. yes, it's about 85,000 SKUs. Yeah. And the other thing that, that really caught my attention is you're sort of like a added value or concierge service. You know, because not everybody has an archery pro shop, you know, 15 minutes away or half hour away, depending where you live in the country, but you want somebody that you can lean on when you, you need to figure that one piece of the puzzle out. And so that's a great thing that you bring to the to the equation. Well, here's something I can tell you because I've seen it happen, but someone will call in and say, hey, does this particular knock fit this particular arrow shaft? And I've seen our customer service people say, hold on a second, put the person on hold, run into the warehouse and actually test it. <laughs> does it fit? Yes or no? You know, they will go and check that. Can you get that everywhere? I don't know. But I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not going to knock anyone else, but I can tell you that will happen here. Yeah. And, 
you know, the other nice thing is obviously um, you guys are doing this yourselves. PJ, you're, you, you hunt about as much as anyone I know here in Pennsylvania. It seems like you always find time to get out before or after your day. <laughs> and, they're, and they're busy days. You, you give about 12 hours a day to LAS. Sometimes I manage to get out there. <laughs> Usually on Facebook, I see you pretty regularly during deer season, man. You're up in that tree. It's it's nice now that I have a nice neighbor and I can walk out the door and go sit out back. That's nice. <laughs> well, you talked about the things that you can do for bow hunters. Hopefully, we are helping to educate bow hunters as well at Peterson's Bow Hunting. And I think there's going to be some neat things as this relationship develops that we can do together, you know, whether that's yeah giving people a, you know, a special discount or maybe giving away a, an item from, from time to time or some of the special events that you guys have, you know, whether, you know, something big like the classic or uh, just the, the ASA tournaments that you guys are at uh, all around the country here over the next few months. I mean, I'm looking forward to helping you guys with what you do and you guys helping us with what we do. And I think it's just going to be good for everybody. We had definitely, I mean, we appreciate everything you guys do and can help us do and can potentially do. And, and we do have some bow hunting specific events, you know, coming up later on in the summer that we'll talk about in future episodes. Um, but yeah, we just appreciate you guys, you and Mark helping us to reach out to that bow hunting community, you know, cause there are a lot of them out there and we'd like to get to know them as well as we know the target archers of the world. Yeah. And I, and I want to bring in, uh, I want to bring in your sidekick there too, because you've got Kyle, your producer in the background. And I told Kyle, I was going to make him talk. I gave him a nickname already. So I want to hear from the voice of God, Kyle. Go ahead. There he is. <laughs> That's a all man of many words. Yes. A man of few words. What do you, what do you want to hear? <laughs> I don't know, man. I want to hear. I no, I think hear. it's cool that you guys, uh, that we have this opportunity to do this. I know when we sat down initially and talked, um, you know, we really didn't have a platform, uh, like a podcast platform. Uh, we did have the Lancaster podcast, but you know, it was, it was centered around target archery and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, crowds for everything. And, um, you know, we transferred our brand over to competition archery media. Um, you know, we talk a lot of competition archery, but you know, when this opportunity arose, I mean, we were like, oh man, this is what we've been wanting to do. We've been wanting to get, you know, bow hunting, some more bow hunting involved. I know, you know, some of the things that we do here as far as video content that I'm, you know, um, in charge of, or, you know, producing, um, you know, we, we want to push that technical knowledge. Like PJ said, you know, um, you're starting to see a lot more content creators out there pushing that technical knowledge. And I think what we try to do here at Lancaster Archery is, you know, I like to listen to what folks are doing and, and I'd like to follow trends and see, you know, what, what would make us, you know, or produce, you know, the best content for either that beginner archer or, you know, advanced archer, you know, for all levels. And I think, you know, for me and, and PJ, we strive to, um, you know, produce the, the best, the most visual content you can, and also the most educational as well. You know, um, you know, I take pride in the, the bow reviews that we do. Those are my favorite things to do, uh, every year as busy as they get. I think we did what PJ 19, 19. Um, so <laughs> You know, you know, we have about a day or two to film with a bow. You know, we're we're getting better with manufacturers. You know, we get the bows in, you know, early sometimes. And, you know, even if it's a day, we knock it out in a day and edit it in a day. And, you know, it's it's just really cool to see, you know, especially after COVID, man, um, the growth and interest into the sport. And I get my friends telling me all the time, and it's amazing because I work for Lancaster Archery and they don't even really know of Lancaster Archery, kind of going back to what PJ was saying. Um, well, it's, it's wild how many people, even in this area, I met some guys just last night at league, our own state. Yeah. And they're like, Oh no, I've never seen any of your videos or cause we were talking about, um, our, I know PJ kind of teased it, but our, um, customer appreciation event and which you'll hear an episode on that later down the road, but it's a cool event. And he was asking about it and I was like, hey, you've never heard about it. And he's like, no, I never heard about it. And I was telling him all the things they do. It's bow hunting oriented and you know. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll have to subscribe to the channel and go watch this. So it was just amazing to see. But, you know, I think the sport's growing. I think we're in a really cool spot right now, um, especially, you know, I know we both generate content. And, um, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's cool to have this opportunity to come on to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I know I'm usually the guy behind the camera. I don't get to give my two cents. So, uh, yeah. But 
But we Appreciate all agree it. you've got a real voice for podcasting. And like you said, those sure dynamic mics just make your voice so velvety. And uh, I like hearing it. Yeah, he, this isn't my real voice. He has more than two cents. <laughs> well, yeah, I just possible. think there's so much opportunity, Mark, for the things that we could collaborate with these guys on, you know, and there is, you know, we do video and we need to do more and, 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 you know, gosh, we could get together. And again, we, whether it's a podcast episode or a video, or maybe sometimes we can get together and do a little bit of both. And I would just invite all of the listeners, like hit us up with your ideas too. you know, leave a comment, uh, shoot us an email at bowhunting at outdoorsg.com or, or just leave a comment on the episode. Um, you know, your ideas will be great fodder for things that we can talk about in the future. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I know you are too, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and I think, you know, this is a, a great forum where people can come and they can be entertained. They can learn more and, and you know, collaboratively, if we can help everybody become better archers and better bow hunters, it's a win-win. All boats rise or all ships rise. So thank you guys so much for your support. And we're looking forward to everything going forward. Us two here, I can tell you, we are excited to be working with you guys and all, you know, full steam ahead. Well, we're going to go ahead and transition to this uh, great interview that we did uh, with Brandon, talk a little bit about tournament shooting, but mostly about how that translates over to helping you be a better bow hunter. And then towards the latter half of our conversation, we get into the old target panic conversation and start talking about uh, hinge releases and tension activated releases. That's one of my favorite topics. Uh, so I think folks are really going to enjoy that. And so I want to thank you guys for your time today. And as we head out, I want to, for the very first, but not the last time, remind everybody that the Bowhunting Podcast is presented by Lancaster Archery Supply. For all your bowhunting needs, visit LancasterArchery.com. We've got the gear. We've got the knowledge. We've got the passion. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We're here from the Lancaster Archery Classic. If you happen to run into Brendan Reyes, a world class competition shooter, also with True Ball and XL. How are you? Doing fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. And so, uh, we're just getting set up. I'm sure you're going to start shooting probably tomorrow, which is Friday. Yes, sir. Yep, let's start at noon tomorrow and uh, hopefully have to shoot tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday too. <laughs> yep, we're hoping you're shooting Sunday and then you shoot up at the end there. But, uh, Uh, this year has been a little slow for me. I, uh, uh, I've had some great hunts. I uh, went to Wyoming and uh, did some elk hunting uh, in September. Uh, cool spot out there. I like to go bow hunting. Uh, took a buddy with me and uh, he was able to harvest his first elk for the first time. Uh, so that was cool. Witnessed that. Uh, I ended up passing about four or five bulls that, you know, were slightly smaller than the one I got the previous time I was out. Uh, so I uh, ended up coming home empty handed. But uh, that's just the the risk you take, you know, when you start passing a few. But uh, overall, it was a great trip. You know, we're way back in the mountains, and uh, nobody to bother you. No cell phones ringing, and uh, riding around on horseback chasing bulls. So uh, that was a great trip, uh, even though I did come home empty-handed. But uh, other than that, I've been kind of uh, just whitetail hunting. I grew up in the Midwest, so I love whitetail hunting. So I did a little. Uh, whitetail hunting in Ohio, uh, and then uh, just trying to, you know, hanging loose, watching trail cameras. I got a couple farms up there, a buddy of mine that uh, uh, keeps the cameras going for me and uh, just looking for a, a nice deer. And all the ones that I had this summer are kind of, you know, playing hard to get and they kind of disappeared a little bit. So uh, season's not over yet. So. I think uh, we got a few uh, few more weeks into February before the season closes up there, so you never know. Uh, I just hopefully, if uh, I'm able to go up and get a chance at one, uh, that his antlers don't fall off after I shoot them. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that late season archery can be pretty good, especially if you have a pattern. If you shoot right. back up on the cameras or whatever. Yep, it's it's basically just like uh, the beginning of the season, uh, just maybe a little bit colder. Um, and like I said, it's. You never know, you know, what you're going to see or do. I know I have a couple bucks already that are smaller that uh, have already shed, you know, one side of the rack. So 
uh, you never know. We'll see what happens, and hopefully my season isn't over yet. But uh, if it is, we'll just gear up for the next year. I got some cool things uh, uh, planned for this fall, so uh, we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of how you never know, <laughs> uh, competitive archery is similar. You never know. You never even know if you're going to have a bow to come shoot, right? Yep, that's correct. <laughs> you had a little bit of adventures just getting here. Yep, yep. I uh, uh, chose to go to uh, Europe, uh, to France, and shoot the World Cup, the, the last World Cup uh, before the finals in Las Vegas next weekend. And uh, I shot, you know, pretty good for, you know, what I was expecting to do, but uh, uh this time of year when things are back to back to back you always run the risk of uh equipment getting lost or left behind and uh fortunately i've been pretty lucky you know on hunts and and uh going to events for a very long time it doesn't happen frequently or hasn't happened frequently for me so um but this time it did and uh you know it was like oh man you know i got the two biggest tournaments back to back coming up you know arguably the three biggest tournament indoor tournaments of the year in a row here in my bow sitting at the airport in Paris somewhere and nobody can tell me where so it is frustrating and you know fortunately you know we have equipment you know that we can put together you know another setup but most of the time we don't go somewhere like that without our best so uh, you know having to put something together in a short amount of time it's uh, you know it can be difficult and getting used to something real quick like that. But uh, I was able to get it back yesterday um, and shoot about 20, 30 arrows to make sure that nothing was, you know, uh, dramatically wrong with anything uh, and uh, everything survived. So uh, I got it with me and ready to go. So we'll see how it all shakes out. <laughs> hey, maybe it'll turn out to be one of those things where, you know, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but um, you'll end up just coming out and shooting better than you even hoped without obviously yep. having quite as much practice as you would have anticipated. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, no practice, you know, or uh, minimal practice is, is better off, you know, so we'll see. Uh, I've always grown up, you know, shooting archery for a very long time that, uh, you know, sometimes you just need to set it down and, you know, reboot. And uh, fortunately, uh, you know, at that isn't the case all the time but uh this time of year you know we're shooting lots of arrows because these tournaments are you know it's not like a 3d tournament where we're shooting you know one arrow every you know 20 30 minutes you know based off of uh you know a single arrow you know 3d tournament but uh you know here we're shooting lots of arrows in a short amount of time so it uh you know this kind of practice you know is is still good and a lot of the practice and the good practice that you have when you're shooting indoor really helps out you know when you go outdoor where you're you may be only shooting one arrow but uh it's uh practice people say practice can be overrated but it just depends on the situation and the person and what they're used to, to also so well you're uh you're shooting for matthews right correct and uh curious about i assume you know i know you didn't necessarily punch a lot of tags this past fall but I bet you were probably shooting their 23 hunting bow. So you did yep. you get a bunch of experience with that phase four this past mm -hmm. fall. Yeah, I uh, uh, definitely shot it a bunch, and uh, it's it's one of my favorite bows. I mean, I like the you know the one the V3X as well. Uh, you know, it's a great bow as well, and uh, the you know, I mean, there's not a lot of difference between the old bow and the new bow as far as, uh, you know, what you feel on the shot when you get everything, you know, loaded up on your bow, uh, all be in a quiver, rest, you know, uh, sight, stabilizer, setup, you know, all that stuff. Um, so there, you know, to me, uh, you know, it seems like it's a little quieter. And uh, as far as shootability, I think they're pretty much, you know, pretty much, you know, equal. I mean, they're they're really, really accurate. And I can tell you this, I, up until last year, uh, I never shot with a quiver on my bow. And when they come out with the new inline system, you know, where everything is the, uh, you know, tight to the, to the riser, it doesn't feel like you have a V bar on the side of your bow, pulling your bow over to the right or the left, depending on if you're right or left-handed, 
because that quiver is so close to the riser, it just feels basically like mass weight. So, uh, yeah, that was one of the things I really liked about uh, uh, the new quiver system. Uh, of course, the, you know, the sights that we, we manufacture at Excel fit right into the bridge lock system, which is great. Um, and, you know, and it goes with that whole quiver concept of having everything, you know, tight to the bow. Um, but I can say, you know, accuracy-wise, um, uh, with broadheads, and I like to shoot a lot of fixed broadheads, uh, I don't know that they, they have a more accurate bow than the, the platform they have right now. And, uh, you know, I've shot a lot of them. I've been with Matthews for almost 20 years, and, uh, you know, which I'm proud to say because I'm probably – one of the longest tenured now, uh, you know, that's been with Matthews and never left, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, it's I've shot a lot of the bows is what I was getting at, you know, from uh, the no-cam system, which, you know, always sticks out in my mind because it's it was, like, probably one of the most underrated systems that Matthews ever made. It's really good to hear somebody say that because so often, Brandon, I always say how much I like the no-cam. and. Mm -hmm. The first thing that people usually just try, that bow was so slow. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it was so accurate. Yes. And it was yep. so easy to shoot. Yep. It was it was probably, I mean, arguably one of the most accurate ones I've ever made. But, yes, people didn't like the fact that it was slow. And, you know, I mean, it's, I, I remember just shooting groups. I was on a main bear hunt and uh, taking my brother-in-law and I uh, up, and we were uh, doing some bear hunting in I was just out practicing him back like middle of the day, you know, when we weren't hunting and I was shooting arrows at 80 yards and just wadding them up with, uh, I think at the time I was using a G five striker fixed blade broadhead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. I mean, it's like at the time and I'm looking back on it now, I'm, I didn't realize, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. Uh, because there's, you know, it's just, sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. And for some reason that that worked and I just it's I remember it uh sticking in my head, you know, ever since. But uh well, I always like to say speed thrills <laughs> and accuracy <laughs> kills. kills. Yep. Yeah. I I argue that a lot because uh you know, as you guys know, uh you know, being around, you know, bow hunting primarily, uh there's huge arguments on you know, heavy, light, slow, fast, all that stuff. And I'm the same way, whatever, it, wh whatever, you know, I'm not going to argue for, you know, one way or the other people have their own arguments, but I'm going to shoot what I believe in and, and have learned over the years. And, you know, my main goal in shooting target archery is I want to be the most accurate I can be when I show up with whatever setup I'm br I have brought. And I carry that same attitude over to hunting because, you know, shooting the fastest or the slowest bow in the world is not going to be do me a, a lick of good if I can't hit what I'm aiming at. And uh, so that's that's what I've always the motto I've always had. I, I try to run, uh, you know, a, a decent. Uh, I always try to stay around like a 420 to 440 grain arrow which is going to give you a relatively, you know, great speed these days with the technology these bow manufacturers are putting in their bows. And uh, with that, I think that's going to make that sight scale or that sight tape or the distance between your top and bottom pin, uh, you know, relatively narrow and depending on draw weight and draw length. But uh, ultimately, I think, you know, successful hunters should look at, you know, to make themselves the most accurate, what it's going to take to do that. And one of the things to do that is to, you know, shoot a narrow sight scale or as narrow as you can possibly shoot because that's going to be the most forgiving. And uh, in doing so, you're going to be more accurate. And ultimately, that's what I, you know, I like to uh, to teach people. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't thoroughly believe in like the heavy arrow, uh, you know, kinetic energy deal that you know you hear a lot of people talk about these days. Uh, it's for me, accuracy counts, and I like your your saying. I think that definitely holds true. Well, and another thing, and this will tie in with uh, Trueball and Excel, and 
things that you guys have done in partnership with Matthews. If you look at the bow manufacturers and the accessory manufacturers, and I wrote about this, Mark, in my column for our uh, new gear guide that we published for the ATA and then our, our March equipment issue, you know, this whole idea of integration has really ca caught hold. It seemed like, you know, for a long time, the bow companies were content to do what they did and the and the accessory manufacturers did mm -hmm. what they did and they didn't necessarily you know really have a lot of collaboration but now it seems like that collaboration is becoming more and more common and so whether you know it kind of all started to me what with what QAD did with that right. integrate rest system yep. and that was with Matthews as well and then obviously that integrate mounting system for rest has really you know, spread across the industry. And then yep. you guys came out and with that first site that was specifically made with Matthews to go into that bridge lock mm -hmm. uh, site mounting system. And now, of course, they've expanded that to stabilizers for this year with the phase four. Yep. And then they've got the new line of, of quivers. And, you know, I could go down the line to whether it's Hoyt or Elite or Prime I've seen a lot of bow manufacturers going to this whole concept of, you know, it's not enough anymore just to make that bow as good as you can make it, but it's the whole shooting system and the way that all those individual pieces come together for better balance, mm -hmm. reduced vibration, reduced shot noise, and ultimately, you know, like to come back to what you said, it's all about helping you be a little more accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I've got a couple points on that. And I think Matthews has really hit it out of the park with their system. Uh, and I think, you know, everybody is now going to, you know, try to chase that. Uh, because, you know, everything they put into that, uh, uh, the phase four, you know, revolves around the integrated everything, the rest, the quiver, the sight, uh, the stabilizer. And uh, so that right there is pretty much your entire setup. Uh, I must say the collaboration between these companies only make not only the, each of those companies better, but it also makes the industry better um, because bow manufacturer, their, uh, their engineers, you know, might not uh, think, you know, like a site or a stabilizer company's engineers, or they might, you know, have different, uh, you know, different opposing viewpoints on you know different things and I think that's where uh, you know I think when you get that collaboration and you get those minds working together the product or the end result is going to be even better and uh, you know that's what we saw not only in our products you know and it, it could be as simple as uh, you know the screw that goes into the riser that locks that bar into place uh, for the site or the stabilizer or whatever just the shape of the contour of the end of the tip of that, uh, you know, could make a huge difference on the way that it uh, locks in and the way that it works and stays tight and don't come loose and all that. And I think that, uh, you know, those are, you know, when you get the, the collaboration of, uh, you know, of, you know, two engineers that may not uh, normally, you know, talk about, you know, certain products just because they're, they do different things, I think ultimately, you know, everybody learns, everybody makes things better, and the end result for the consumer is even greater. So uh, I think that uh, along with, you know, all the other accessories and the way each, you know, engineer uh, collaborates with others is only going to make, you know, all of our accessories, all of our bows, anything archery or, uh, you know, hunting related better. So I think. Uh, that's what we're seeing now is, you know, a lot of those uh, companies, uh, you know, integrating stuff and ultimately the, you know, when you're doing that, there's, uh, you know, the meeting of the minds, in other words. So there's a little bit more, maybe a little bit more thought and uh, that goes into it to make a good thing. Speaking of thought going into things, when I was at ATA and I mentioned I spent some time with your father-in-law mm -hmm. who's the owner of the company and yep. you guys have a new line of stabilizers out yep. not bridge lock stabilizers but these are conventional stabilizers but there's some really interesting innovation in materials and design yep. there and he was talking about you guys are actually building this new line of stabilizers with flax yep 
and uh, you have to tell me the name of the line because I can't remember. Yep. So uh, I'll start like uh, if we rewind a couple years ago, we've we've always been, uh, I guess I'll say a target target company first as far as the, the the products that we build and design, and then we evolve our hunting product around that. And uh, so we started a couple years ago with the Carboflex uh, stabilizer system, and we had two sizes, and they were basically only target you know target stabilizers. Uh, and we kind of busted into the industry as a manufacturer of uh, stabilizers under the Excel name, and we changed it from Excel Sights and Scopes, which was primarily what we were making then, to just Excel Archery. So uh, our stabilizer line fell under that Excel Archery uh, brand. So with that, uh, originally, uh, you know, with just those two sizes, uh, we took those and just made shorter version as a uh, generic hunting bar and it was just a Carboflex hunting stabilizer and you got instead of your long target stabilizers you would get an 8 or 6 or 10 or 12 inch version uh, and go from there. Well as our stabilizer technology uh, evolved and uh, you know with that Carboflex uh, you had mentioned the flax material and what the flax material is, is the natural material uh, that is used in several other companies outside of archery, like uh, tennis rackets, like uh, uh, bike frames, like um, there are some surfboards that are made with this kind of material in it. And it's, uh, the whole point behind it is that it has vibration uh, dampening technology in the material. And uh, we, took that uh, material and we blended it with a ultra high modulus carbon, which is what most manufacturers make a stabilizer solely of. Uh, so we wanted something different. We, did, we wanted to break into the industry, you know, with something different, not just a ultra high modulus carbon bar that everybody else had. Uh, so we, uh, our engineers went to work and thousands upon thousands of arrows through uh, shooting machines. Uh, with different bows and different arrows and you know just must I must say too with the same vibration dampening uh, computers that Matthews uses when they test their risers and, and stuff we contacted them and have a great working relationship with them and was able to find out what they're using so we could use the same thing to show um, you know results the best way for us so we could bring the best product to the consumer so uh, we did all that and as we grow, as we've grown, we've added new models. Uh, and last year, we introduced the 550 uh, Acclaim stabilizer system, which is just a smaller diameter uh, that now seems to be the go-to for you know target archers uh, and 3D shooters as well. Uh, and so we've taken that uh, that diameter and ran with it. And because it's been so popular this year, we've added the additional. Uh, brand like hunting brand uh, antler ridge stabilizers and that was what you were referring to earlier so that's what it was the yep. antler ridge yep yeah so the antler ridge is our new uh, our new uh, hunting stabilizers that we are uh, marketing for the hunting uh, hunting side of things uh, and uh, again we have six eight ten twelve inch links that are specifically um, you know revolve and have been tested for you know hunting situations and this year uh, new at the show we, uh, we launched a, a system and the system includes two stabilizers uh, which would be a front bar and a back bar a offset that allows you to attach that that secondary bar to and then also a quick disconnect so now and it's sold completely in one package altogether. When a when a consumer goes into, you know, to a dealer store, and uh, they see, you know, a lot of these these personalities on TV, or, or in magazines or wherever, you know, using this offset bar with a stabilizer, they can get all that in one package. And basically, all they got to do is determine what length they want. So uh, we've made it easier for them, in other words, and uh, it's. Uh, it's a really cool system that uh, I think works with most, you know, most setups, and I'm confident that people can get what they need with uh, with the system. So that's all new this year.
Well, it's uh, it's a really good product because I remember talking at length with your father-in-law about mm-hmm. the hours and and technical. Uh, depth of the vibration modeling and yep. the, the design on those things is really, really dialed in to reduce the vibration quite a bit. Now, Mr. Demko, I know I have one more thing I want to talk to Brandon about before I let him go, but I want to make sure that you have a chance to get a word in here edgewise if you've got something. I had a couple of things, and I don't want to step on your toes. One of them might be the same, so I'll take a, a, a chance on this. But, uh, you know, you've been shooting a long time talked about it was a little hairy you didn't know if your bow was going to show up sure i'm imagining you had a pretty hairy situation the first time you ever stepped on a large-scale competitive tournament so maybe not your local tournament at a mm-hmm. rod and gun club but you're talking on the, on the big platform yep how did you handle that but also like what's your advice you give for somebody who's been thinking about they want to get in the tournament shooting but they just don't know what to do or how it would be for them yeah, it's uh, I've I've done it for a long time, so a lot of what uh, I grew up in is totally different than it is now. Uh, for instance, the equipment is like you know leaps and bounds over what it was when I started in like nineteen. I've been pretty much shooting ever since I could walk uh, competitively since about thirteen years old, and I'm forty two now, so almost thirty years, and. Uh, so I've seen things come and go and things change quite a bit, but uh, the only, the, the big thing that I, I tell people, whether it's in a seminar or talking like this, or you know just talking to a friend that walks up to me and asks the same question, uh, the only pressure in this sport is the pressure you put on yourself. And uh, you know, there's, there's events, I, I remember uh, several years ago, and I was probably just, you know, a new, like one of the newer, well, new guys as far as uh, pros are concerned at uh, a 3D tournament and it's, you know, one of the national level events and ones you want to win, you know. And I'd put myself in position and, uh, you know, with two other guys that, you know, have probably won more than any other 3D archer, you know, combined at the time and that was, uh, uh, Levi Morgan and Jeff Hopkins, and we were one, two, three, all three of us. And uh, I had shot well enough to be able to have the last arrow honors. And uh, you know, Jeff shoots, and of course, you know, we're we're down to the last arrow, and he shoots a 14. What he had to do to win. And uh, Levi gets up there, does the same thing. And so my table is set, and I know I have to do exactly what they have because I'm the last guy, and if I can do what they've done, then I've won. And uh, I get up there and I do my thing and I shoot, and you know, I, it's the, the reaction you know, of where you, know, you hear the crowd and then you hear, you know, you're trying to figure out and process everything, you know, is when you're in the moment, it seems like it's, you know, it's going like mock speed. But, uh, I hear somebody in the crowd say 14, like right as soon as the arrow hits the target. And uh, I'm like, oh great, I won this. You know, I'm thinking this, you know, in my head. And then it comes down to the arrow call because it was not like, you know, crystal clear. And uh, so at this point, it's either, you know, a 14 or an eight. So I either go from first to third or, you know, I I don't remember the exact story at the time. But uh, anyway, the judge ends up calling my arrow an eight. So. You know, I knew at that point, you know, you go from the absolute high to the absolute low because you went from winning the tournament to getting third place. I mean, which is not bad. You're still on the podium, but um, it's just, you, you know, the the level of competitiveness that's uh, that uh, we have to endure, whether it's here this weekend or whether it's at Vegas, whether it's at a, a 3D or ASA event, uh, you know, it's it's incredible. And there is just... You know, I can say it more now than ever that there is so very little room for uh, error these days. And, uh, you know, what you could get away with 10 years ago is not there anymore. So, um, and I, you know, just to get back to the question, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I do want to do well for sponsors, for the business, for myself, for family, whatever. And, uh, you know, the older I get, it seems like the more pressure I put on myself. So I got to kind of keep reiterating the fact that, hey, you know, if you can just do what you do every day, either, you know, at home in your basement or at the range at the shop, 
uh, you know, or practicing outside for, you know, 3D, uh, if you could just, uh, you know, treat uh, your practice like, uh, you know, it's important because a lot of people don't. And, uh, you know, it's hard for somebody to practice, in other words, at home like they would compete at a tournament. And uh, so, you know, getting that point across and getting the point across that, uh, you know, the pressure in this game is only as much as you put on yourself. Uh, you know, you know you can do it. I know I can set out there and hit these little tiny X-rings that we have to shoot here, you know, every time at home. But when you get here and you get on the line and you're amongst your peers, things change. And, uh, you know, if, if you can, if you're setting at home and you're, and you're new and you're, like thinking, oh man, I can do that. You can do it, if as long as you just you know don't get here and, and become a totally different person. So uh, I think those are a couple important uh, things to look at if you're if you're considering it. And uh, you know, it's it's archery no matter what. And I mean, I look at it like this. I mean, this is going to help me in the fall. You know, just by even if it is, you know, I am nervous or I'm under pressure or I can feel myself shaking or whatever because you're going to feel the same thing when that 180 walks up at you and you're you know sitting in a tree stand in Iowa and you're like holy cow you know what do I do well you've been there and uh, the more practice you can get at something or put yourself in that situation the better off you're going to be when it really counts and uh, really ultimately that's why I do this yeah because I I enjoy hunting I enjoy you know the target aspect too and, uh, you know, I want to be able to perform my best, you know, uh, at any given moment. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the competitive equivalent, you know, as Brandon was talking, sometimes when a nice buck comes, I tell myself, hey, you know, shooting this buck is going to be no different than shooting a doe. You know, the doe that you shot last week, it's the mm -hmm. same thing. It's still archery. You've got to execute the same shot sequence, and that's what Brandon's talking about. You know, it's you can you can go out in the backyard and you can pound that X ring over and over and over again. There's nothing different that's going to happen this weekend, even in the finals. You know, if Brandon's up there and he's got to make that one shot to either make him or break him, mm -hmm. it's the same shot yep. as in the backyard. It's just like he said, how much pressure is he putting on himself and it's your perception the mind is incredible and yep. uh if you can stay out of your own way <laughs> you can you can make 60 good arrows oh, you yeah. know what i mean yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly right now the one last thing because i don't feel like we can have brandon on the show and not talk about release aids at all because <laughs> you know true ball just makes some of the very best that are out there and also because this is a soapbox issue for me as somebody who had suffered badly from target panic, you know, I'm very much like the average uh, American bow hunter in that, you know, just about, I'd say 90, 98 or 99% of us when we first get into this, we get set up with a wrist strap, index finger release aid, and, you know, we don't have time to go into all of the reasons, but I think that a lot of those releases, you know, aren't very good. There's a lot of releases of that style out there that have a lot of creep and trigger travel and you combine that with our own propensity to develop bad habits and it's a good recipe to develop some target panic and mm -hmm. for me it certainly was and I got pretty bad with that and I had to kind of go back and completely reprogram myself sure. and you know now I shoot a resistance activated release and most of you guys who are pros who are here shooting this weekend are probably shooting you know, a hinge release or a resistance activated release. Maybe some guys are shooting thumb buttons. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see too many people shooting index finger release aids here. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is twofold. One, I want to give you an opportunity to brag about some of your hunting releases. But two, you know, this weekend here, we're in a game where accuracy is everything. And literally, as you said, one arrow, mm -hmm. one arrow being off a tenth of an inch could be the difference between you winning and losing the tournament. And I come back to all my fellow bow hunters and I say, now, wouldn't you think that Brandon 
and you know Tim Gillingham and Levi Morgan and Rio Wild and all these guys are here if they could shoot more accurately with an index finger wrist strap release aid don't you think they'd all be shooting them mm -hmm. and yet none of them are right uh, I'll just throw it to you with yeah, that yeah it's uh, that could go a couple different directions or a lot of different directions actually but uh, yeah I mean over the years I mean you'll find you know a few wrist strap shooters that have really mastered it and that are die hard wrist strap no matter what and uh you know on the other hand you'll see a lot of the guys that uh you know are strictly hinge or back tension shooters and you'll find a lot a lot of really good shooters that choose that that line that you know hinge or back tension line uh and i think you know that's a lot of that and and i've noticed in the last five years that a lot of the, those style of shooters are carrying that over to the hunting side. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, asking about, uh, you know, different releases. They'll come and ask me, you know, I want to shoot, you know, a back tension style release for hunting. What do you suggest? And for me, it's always, you know, I'll tell them, hey, the Sweet Spot Pro that we have is the only way to go. Uh, it's got a safety. It ensures you get to full draw. When you get to full draw, you click it off and you shoot. Um, so that's uh, that's become a real big and a very popular item that's kind of a crossover um, that uh, allows bow hunters to use a, uh, a hinge or back tension style release, you know, and still be able to get to full draw without misfiring an arrow on a 180 inch bull or 380 inch bull or 180 inch deer. So, uh, you know, that's that's becoming more popular. I know, um, you know, you'll see a lot of guys shoot thumb butts as well. Indoors, I don't know. We have I don't know. We've done like a, a poll or whatever, but I bet you it's probably, you know, pretty close. Probably 60, 40, 60 back tension, 40 button, uh, and the button is thumb activated. Sure. Uh, in a, at an event like this, if you were to look and take a, uh, you know, take a poll, but I'm pretty sure that it'd probably be less than one percent, like you mentioned, that shoot a wrist strap. Well. Yeah, I mean, there's two things that I want to throw out, and it, again, ties back into what Brandon said. There's practice, and then there's game time. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's two, uh, two reasons why. And again, I, I realize for some people, you know, it's not the first time I've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, I'm like an ex-smoker. Smokers <laughs> will tell you there's nobody more annoying than an ex-smoker, you know. <laughs> and and so uh, wrist strap shooters will tell you there's nobody more annoying than the guy who used to shoot the wrist strap, had target panic, and now, you know, shoots a tension release and wants to tell you guys all about why you should get rid of your releases. But practice, okay, this is number one. During the preseason, the offseason, most people, I don't care how many articles you've read about it, I don't care if you think you know what a surprise release is. Chances are, if you've never picked up a hinge release and practiced with it, you have no idea. And I say that as a reformed wrist strap release shooter, I thought I knew what a surprise release was mm -hmm. until I actually experienced a surprise release. Mm -hmm. And when the bow goes off and you say, holy, you know what, what just happened? Yep. That's a surprise release. And then, even more shocked and surprised that you are that the bow has just gone off, you look at the target and the arrows right in the middle of the bullseye. Mm -hmm. You're like, now that can't, that, that can't be. Let <laughs> me do that again. And you do it again, and you do it again, and it's like, wow. Now, they're not all perfect, but I will say that it's actually pretty hard to miss super bad when you're executing your shot. From a hunting perspective, it's difficult mm -hmm. to completely whiff on an animal or to miss the vital zone completely because you're teaching yourself to properly execute that shot during practice. And that, to me, even if somebody wants to go back to a wrist strap for the hunt, mm -hmm. I think there's tremendous value in at least having a hinge or a tension-activated release for practice. Yep, I agree uh, 100%. And I've always said that... Uh, you know, there's some type of wire that runs from your index finger to your brain that uh, eventually some people get, you know, get crossed, you know, and, uh, you know, they got to, you know, retrain themselves like you mentioned and, uh, you know, or shoot a lot of arrows or shoot very few arrows depending on what technique you go to try to, to fix it. But panic is, uh, has always been you know, a problem with, and always will be a problem with bow hunters, archers in general. Uh, and there's, 
several different ways and several different, you know, you ask 10 coaches and they'll all have 10 different methods of, of fixing it. And, uh, you know, the simplest thing I can tell you that, you know, I've found in what I, you know, tell people because I've gone through it. And one of the best things that I, that happened for me was uh, I, I stopped shooting for about six months during the tournament season when I was really young. And uh, that was probably one of the best things that happened because it kind of helped me, you know, retrain my brain. These days I couldn't do that. There's just not enough time. But, uh, you know, the thing that I tell people, I've, I've, we've got a lot of, you know, people that, you know, work for us and they shoot bows and they'll come and say, you know, man, I just can't hit what I'm aiming at or my group's the size of a baseball at, or softball or basketball or whatever at 20 yards. And depending on what level they are, you know, that's either, you know, most of the time it's not good. And uh, so I simply start by just moving them up close, uh, moving them, you know, two, three feet from the target, have them uh, draw the bow back, you know, put their finger on the release like they're going to shoot it. I mean, you know, it could be a wrist strap or whatever. Uh, but I want them to be able to see, you know, uh, what it feels like to have that surprise shot. Sometimes if, if you know, if they're shooting a wrist strap, I'll just reach up there you know, tell them to close their eyes or whatever, I'll just reach up there and set it off for them. Again, that does the same thing pretty much as the hinge does. You know, it gives them that, what that surprise feeling does, or feels like, and they, you know, they're like, oh man, you know what, you know, what just happened, like you said, and, uh, you know, they reboot, you know, and start to reboot. And then once, you know, this is with all with no target on the, fa on the, on the backdrop. Uh, and then we graduate to a target, and we're shooting a target at, at two, three feet. You know, I want to retrain them to be able to hold the pin on the X-ring, execute the shot, and actually see themselves hitting it. Yeah. And once you start programming that, then you just start moving back a little bit, your target may become smaller, and then you just go to the next level, uh, you know, just backing up, you know, whatever it takes. And this all, it doesn't happen overnight. We're talking like the course of you know, months for some people. Sure. Uh, and, you know, it's going to take them a while because eventually they'll start shooting that close target with the X on it and they won't be able to hit it. Well, you know, what's a great way almost for as a diagnosis, you know, if somebody wonders, you know, do I have target panic or how bad is my target panic? Here's something that I found when I was going through it bad. Because for me, you know, I couldn't put the pin mm -hmm. where it needed to be. Yep. It was a mental block, right? If I would draw my bow and I would say, I'm not going to shoot. I'm just going to draw and let down. Mm -hmm. I could put the pin where it Wherever needed to needed. be. Yep. But as soon as you thought about having to execute the shot and have your finger on the trigger, it wouldn't go. It was like there was an invisible force field yep. preventing the, the pin from going there. So this brings me, and we got to wrap it up, I think, because there's some guys coming in here for a seminar. But we're going to go like a couple more minutes because this is a really good topic, and people <laughs> always want to know about target panic oh, yeah. and what to do about it. I always have this stupid question, but I'm going to give it, this is my test for Brandon. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is there's this is not a trick question, Brandon. Mm -hmm. Where does the arrow go when the bow goes off? Wherever the pin is. See, he's one of the <laughs> only people. He's one of the only people who has answered that question that quick. Yep. High five. Okay, it's exactly. Yep. It's exact. It's not a trick question. No. The arrow goes wherever the hell the pin is yep. when you release the string. And so my question for those of us, and again, I'm speaking to myself because I've been there. Why are you afraid to hit the target? And you, you're like, you ask somebody that and they're like, well, I'm not afraid to hit the target. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. well, then how come you always push the trigger when the pin's not on where you want the arrow to go? Yep. You can't, you know, hope and prayer are wonderful things, but neither is a recipe for solving target panic. Correct. When you're doing the old drive-by and you're like, well, I can't put the pin where I want it to go. So I'll swing it across the target and I'll slap my trigger as it's going there. That's called hope and prayer. And nobody knows where the arrow's going at that mm -hmm. point. It is not a good place to be. And if you're there now, I will tell you, you need to pick up a hinge or resistance release because, um, you know, it's the only way long term I think you're going to get over that target panic. And... Um, you know, true ball makes some, some good ones. Now I know you guys have hinge releases. Do you have resistance releases too? Yes. Yeah. We do have a resistance release new just, you know, as soon as last year, I think was our first year with it. What's it called? Uh, it's called the abyss extension flex. Uh, so what this does is, uh, it is set up to the holding weight of your bow. 
So you draw the bow and you know, you draw the bow with the relaxed hand, you get to full draw and you activate it by holding the actual thumb button in. Uh, a lot of our competitors have it opposite. So you're drawing the bow with a, yep. a, a stiff hand uh, and then when you get to full draw, you let off and then pull through. Mm -hmm. um, so like if you're holding weight on your bows, 15 pounds, you know, we'll set the release up using electronic scale to where it's about three to four pounds greater than your holding weight. So when you do activate it, it doesn't fire upon hitting that, uh, that certain poundage. So that what in turn gives, gives you is once you get to full draw, activate the release, you got about three to four pounds of pull before it goes. Yep. And uh, so that's, uh, that's the abyss extension. And that, you know, I mean, you can set that up, you know, from very, very low holding weights all the way up to like 35 pounds of holding weight. So, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, anybody, anybody here this weekend, you know, could shoot it with the exception of, you know, recurve shooters where there's no let off. Yeah. But if you're shooting a compound, you're going to fall within that range and uh, it's, got a lot of adjustment and it's a it's actually a two for one too so if you you know you get it with uh, all intention of using as a a, a pull-through style or resistance and you don't like it then it also has a way you can set it up as just a straight thumb activated too so well and again that's another it's another good option again some people just for whatever reason you know don't feel comfortable going out and hunting with that resistance or hinge mm -hmm. so you can practice with it yep. with the resistance all summer and then set it up to activate with that thumb button but the idea that you can't hunt with these things is just not true and again it's like you know like you said the one i shoot is a stand it's like you said it's opposite of yours so i have right. to hold the safety down to draw, draw yep. but once you're at full draw and you let that safety off it's not going anywhere right and if you want to yep. let down you can just push the safety again and let down. Correct. But the thing I love is, man, once you get used to shooting with one of these kind of releases, there's no, you don't have to worry about the trigger anymore. All you have to do is watch that pin float on the vitals and increase tension. And people are like, well, you can't control the shot or you can't shoot fast. I'm like, well, yes, you can. I mean, if I let the safety off and yank hard, mm -hmm. it's going, right. you know what I mean? But the point is, you, don't, you rarely, rarely do you have to rush it. I mean. Two seconds might not seem like that long, but yeah. it's plenty of time, you know, right. to get off a shot. You yeah, know what I've I mean? I've always said four to five seconds, you know, you know, somewhere in that range. You know, if you go beyond that, things start breaking down. So I've always said, you know, four, five, six second shot yep. is all you need. Uh, and so that's, you know, kind of been, you know, where I try to keep people, you know, going in that direction. Well, listen, Brandon, I'm sorry if I got on my soapbox there at the end, but <laughs> I really no, wanted I, to I get wanted your to, input on that. Yeah, I just wanted to, I'll finish it up by saying this, that, you know, and this is no, you know, disrespect to any anybody that shoots a wrist strap release because there are a lot of people that do. Uh, but I can tell you, if you give a handheld style release, whether it's a thumb activated, whether it's a hinge, whether it's a resistance, whether it's a hydraulic, whatever, if you give them a chance, a lot of, a lot of people are afraid to try it. But if you give them a chance, I've always told people it makes good shooters, great shooters. And, you know, I don't know what it, you know, whether it's, you know, has to do with anchor point, whether it's getting that wire disconnect that people can get, you know, with the index, getting away from that and getting it to a thumb or whatever. But uh, I promise you, if you give it a chance and you've never done it, it's gonna make you better. And ultimately, it all comes back to accuracy in my view. And uh, that's well, what we're looking and, for. And I'm going to ask him another question, which isn't a trick question, Mark. <laughs> what goes hand in hand with accuracy? Uh, success, in my opinion. <laughs> well, sure, that. And before that, though, so before the success, the accuracy yields success. And before the accuracy comes what? Whether you're at a tournament or in a tree stand, confidence. Confidence. Yeah. Confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can tell you, and, and you know, Brandon, no, no newsflash here. I'm not a world-class shooter. Mm -hmm. I could not outshoot you in this tournament, you know, one time out of a hundred probably. But when it comes to bow hunting, you know, where there's a little more margin for error mm -hmm. in a vital area, I can tell you this, my confidence level now versus to when I was shooting a wrist strap yep. is night and day because now when I'm at full draw and I'm looking through my peep sight, I'm anchored in and that pin is on the vital area and I start to pull, I know pretty much that animal's dead before the bow goes off because when the bow goes off, where's the arrow going? Mm -hmm. 
Where my pins at? Where are the pins at? Yep. And so instead of struggling to get that pin where it needs to be and fighting with myself and having all kinds of anxiety mm -hmm. in the moment of truth, now I'm excited because it's like, holy cow, look at this pin. It's floating right there on the chest. And now as I start to increase this tension, I know sometime in the next two or three seconds that string is going to go off. And when it happens, where's that arrow going to go? The only place that it can go right there into the mm -hmm. heart and lung area of that deer. And then lo and behold, it does. Yep. And then what? We're smiling. You're like, wow. Wow, it feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> it feels good. Yep. And then it's just like Brandon standing on the podium, you know? Confidence is everything. Feels good. <laughs> to cash checks and punch yep, tags, right? right. <laughs> so if you want to cash checks, cash more checks and punch more tags with True Ball and Axel. <laughs> That's right. Well, bring us out, Mr. Demko. Well, thanks a lot so much for joining us, Brandon. Good luck this weekend. And, and good luck with everything for the later this year. But uh, hopefully, that's the plan. That's why I'm here. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand, or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.